0: I am so glad that you are here today. It's a rainy day. You could have been a lot of other places, but you came here. And I want to encourage you to come regularly for the next two months because we're starting one of the most important studies in the history of our church and maybe in the story of your own spiritual journey. Because for the next two months... We are going to talk about hearing God. I heard a story of an evangelist who's doing a revival. And at the end of his teaching, he calls for people to come forward to respond. And one tall and big, intimidating guy comes forward. And the evangelist says, and what can I do for you? He says, I need someone to pray for my hearing. He immediately puts his hands over the man's ears and he begins to pray and he begins to call out to God with great passion. And when his prayer is concluded, he takes his hands off the man's ears and he said, so how is your hearing? And the man says, well, I don't know. It's next Wednesday down at the courthouse. (laughs) You see, I know and I am so grateful that so many of you pray for my speaking. You tell me this all the time. I don't take it for granted. I feel the prayers, but I have come under great conviction that I need to be more resolved to pray for your hearing. Because while I'm thankful that you pray that I would hear a word from God and bring it to you, I understand that my chief responsibility is not to hear God for you. It is to teach you to hear God see, different sermon series have different purposes. Some are to inform and grow in understanding. Some are to inspire. But some are to equip. The Bible says pastors and teachers are to equip the saints for the works of service. And this is that kind of series. The goal of this series in two months is to equip you to more effectively hear God. So that you can more effectively serve God. Now, everything that we're going to teach in the following weeks is going to be built on a foundation that we're building today. We're going to put everything else on top of the table we're building today. And the table has four legs. Four assumptions. Four principles. And the first is where you always start. With God. You see, I believe central to God's uniqueness is His spokenness. And we don't think about that a lot. We think of God in His righteousness, God in His faithfulness, God in His holiness. But central to what makes God unique of all the deities worshipped in other religions is His spokenness. The God of the Bible is a revealing God. All through scripture we read, and God said. Now, don't take that for granted. One of the things that separates the God of the Bible from the other deities worshipped in other religions is this. Our God has a voice. Listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 12 of the first letter. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray And swept along in worshiping speechless idols. You hear this all through the prophets in the Old Testament. What's wrong with you people? You cut down a tree, you quarry a rock from stone, you carve it up, you put it on a pedestal, and then you bow down and you pray to it. Has that lump of stone or wood ever spoken back? Think about the major world religions of today. They practice a very impersonal relationship with their deity. You don't hear of testimonies of how their God interacts with them. But the God of the Bible is inviting his children into a dynamic relationship. Let me tell you something about the God of the Bible. He's a talker. You talk to this God, he will talk back. Look, for example, Isaiah chapter 30. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. You see, we don't figure God out. God reveals himself. In fact, that's where we get our spokenness from. That we were created in the image of a God who speaks. Back in the 13th century, Frederick was the uh, emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. He wanted to do an experiment to determine what was the original language of man. What was the very first language man spoke. So he reasoned if he took a bunch of brand new babies... And he isolated them from all sound that whatever language they started talking, whether it's Greek or Latin or anything else, that would be the original language. So when these babies were born, he instructed the nurses to put them in a room where they heard no sound. They were not to be spoken to. They weren't to be sung to. They weren't even to hear humming. And within a year, every single baby died. Because we were created in the image of a God for whom communion, for whom communication is normal. You see, I think the fact that God created us able to speak and able to hear says something about the kind of relationship he wants with us. But something very interesting has happened. Today, a lot of you are trying to have a relationship to God that is a monologue. And you do all the talking. In fact, some have even concluded that when this book, the Bible, was completed and the canon of Scripture was closed, that God just stopped all communication. Everything God wants to say is right in here. So for 2,000 years, God has been giving us the silent treatment except for what's in the Bible. And after all, they conclude, I've never heard God. So my experience must be normal. And these people call folks that talk to God prayers. And they call people who hear from God weirdos. There's just one problem. It's simply not the nature of God to be mute. God is who God is and God is a talker. It is the essence and nature of God to reveal Himself. And so if you haven't heard from God, why would you let your experience frame God? Instead of letting the God that is revealed in the Bible judge your experience. Because a God that does not speak, not only is not biblical. But he cannot be personal. I cannot invite you to have a personal relationship with a God who does not speak. This is a dangerous theology. Those that are older may recognize this picture. Amelia Earhart tried to become the first woman to fly all the way around the world. She started in Oakland, she headed east. After 44 days, she was ready for the longest part of her trip to leave in New Guinea, fly 2,500 miles over the Pacific Ocean to land on an island in the middle of the Pacific. She took off July 2, 1937 with her navigator, Fred Noonan. After 18 hours of no attempts to be able to get a message to her, they heard from her saying that she was over the ocean, gas was running low, She thought she was close to the island, but she couldn't see it anywhere. They sent more directions, but they heard nothing back until finally at 8.55 in the morning, sounding distraught, she said she still couldn't find the location, and that's the last that was heard. And she and her navigator were lost over the Pacific. Here's what they found out. When that plane took off that bumpy dirt runway in New Guinea, the antenna that was able to Receive messages fell off the plane. She could talk, but she could not hear. And the results were tragic. And they will be for you. If you try to live a kind of discipleship where you talk to God, but never hear God. You see, God created Adam and Eve to... Hear the sound of his voice as he walked in the garden. And I don't believe he's abandoned his intentions for the rest of his children. Because, and here's the second critical leg to our table. Hearing God's voice is normal discipleship. We were created for communion with God. Those of you that don't know a lot about football might be confused by this side in an occasional NFL game. You'll see a quarterback, and he'll have his fingers in the ear holes of his helmet. Here's what's going on. Inside that helmet, there's a uh, receiver. And up above in the press box, there's an offensive coordinator that has a better view of the field and a better idea of what's going on in the game. And he's putting those fingers in the ears to drown out all the other noise so he can hear the one voice from above that he most needs to hear. And I think you know what I mean by that illustration. Hearing God doesn't make you a super saint. It makes you a normal Christian because the Christian life is a dynamic relationship with a person. Think about it. You're on your cell phone. You're trying to talk to somebody on the other end and you never hear anything. You never hear a voice. You never hear a response. Are you going to stay on the phone? Because you cannot move in your discipleship until you start to believe that the God that you serve is a dynamic, active, personal God. Now let me be clear about something. I'm going to anticipate a concern before you raise it. In these next series of sermons, you're going to hear nothing that diminishes... My belief in the inspiration and authority of the Bible as the Word of God. I've got a 22-year track record in this church of preaching from the Bible. There's nothing you're going to hear me say that's going to make you doubt that I believe in the inspiration and the authority of the Bible as God's Word to us. But the voice of God. Is not limited to the words in the Bible. Think for a moment of all the Christians, the tens of millions of Christians in the past 2,000 years all the way to today, who've never owned a Bible, who can't read a Bible, who have never even seen a Bible. Have they been unable to have a dynamic relationship with God? For that matter, why does God send the Holy Spirit to live in us if everything we need is already in the Bible? You see, the Bible says that walking under the direction of the Holy Spirit is normal for disciples. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, for all who were led by the Spirit of God are children of of God, I've been convicted of this the last few months as I've been reading a lot out of the book of Acts. How it was normal in the book of Acts for disciples not only to get direction from the Bible, but to get words from God outside the Bible. In chapter 8. Philip's having a revival in Samaria, and an angel tells him to go somewhere else. So he leaves, and when he's down the road, the Spirit of the Lord tells him to go join a man in a chariot. And the gospel goes to Africa. In chapter 9, Ananias is minding his own business when he hears a voice that says, Ananias, and he turns and says, Yes, Lord. Now, I don't know about you. But when I hear my name called out, my first thought is not to say, yes, Lord. But there's nothing about the way Luke wrote that that makes it seem weird. In chapter 10, there's a guy who doesn't even follow Jesus yet named Cornelius that has an angel tell him to go get Peter who has a vision that says go see Cornelius. In chapter 16, Paul wants to take the gospel into Asia and it just says that the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to go. And doesn't say how he knew. He just, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. He wanted to go into Bithynia. It says the spirit of Jesus said no. So he goes on down to Troas where he has a vision. And then the gospel gets over to Europe. And again, the way it is written, it's clear that Luke says this is just normal. You see, the reality is. Either you think the book of Acts is a book of exceptions or it's a book of examples of what life in Jesus is supposed to be. Now, I think about my heritage. I grew up in a small little church in South Dallas. It was a church of Christ. That may not be your background, but that's mine. And I think about how we articulated Through prayer and music and preaching what we believed. I learned as a boy there were certain phrases you used in prayer to God. Like, please give the preacher a ready recollection of the things he has prepared. Or, closing prayer you were supposed to say, and bring us back at the next appointed hour. And one of our favorite expressions was, and guide, guard, and direct us. In fact, I thought that was one word till third grade. I thought it was God, guard, and direct. I thought it was a German word, God, guard, and direct. But the point is, we thought it was completely normal to pray that God would give us daily direction for our lives. Not only did we pray it, but we sang it every week. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. He leadeth me. Oh blessed thought. There was one old hymn that we would sing called I come to the garden alone and the chorus some of you remember it and he walks with me and he talks with me. So every week we prayed and we sang what we were afraid to preach. <laughs> that two-way communication with God is normal. Now, let me just anticipate your question then. Are you preacher Are you saying that you hear from God? Yes. That is exactly what I'm saying. So maybe you're thinking, well, how come I don't hear from God? Simple. God likes me more than he likes you. (laughs) No. That's not why. But we are going to explore some reasons why we have trouble hearing from God. And there are several. One might be that you don't expect to hear from God. Now think about it, if you don't expect to hear from God, you're not listening, are you? Or one reason might be, no one ever taught you how to hear from God. Well, that's what we're going to do. Or, it could be, you don't want to hear from God. Maybe some of you prefer a mute God, because if you hear from God. He may say something that would change your agenda and your plans. But let me share with you a sobering word from Jesus. You know that his sharpest critics were religious experts. And in John chapter 5 he speaks to them and he says to them, "You diligently search the scriptures." And in the same paragraph he says, "You have never heard God's voice. Jesus says, you can be an expert in biblical knowledge and an ignoramus in the voice of God. The critical need of discipleship is a hunger to hear God. Jesus said, that's how I'll know who my sheep are. John chapter 10. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Let me show you a picture that the old-timers will recognize. This was the brand icon in the middle of the 20th century for RCA, one of the most famous icons in business history. Let me tell you the story behind that. That was a painting by an Englishman named Francis Barad. That little dog's name is Nipper. And Nipper belonged to Francis' brother. And when Francis' brother died... Francis inherited Little Nipper. And before he died, his brother had recorded his voice on some old phonographs. And whenever Francis would get out that gramophone and play those old records, that little dog would run to that gramophone because he recognized his master's voice. Now, if you're old enough to remember the CB craze, You remember that if you had a CB and you wanted to communicate with somebody else, you would say, got your ears on. Well, that's the question we're asking. Because the most important thing, here's the third critical leg. The most important thing is the choice to listen. Listening is intentional. Intentional. Good hearers make the decision to become so. I know Jesus said the sheep hear His voice and know it, but little lambs don't. Little lambs have to learn how to hear the voice of their shepherd. And so do we. We have to decide we are going to grow in our capacity to hear God. And that's part of the problem. Maybe you heard about the grandparents having their 50th anniversary and one of the grandkids said, Grandpa, what's the secret to a long marriage? Grandpa said, well, it's simple. Your grandma was a communication major in college, and I was a theater arts major. He said, what's that got to do with it? And grandpa said, well, grandma's good at speaking, and I'm good at acting like I'm listening. (laughs) And we're pretty good at acting like we're listening. But I think sometimes we communicate by the way that we really listen. That we don't expect God to communicate. Honestly, when you came this morning, did you come expecting to hear a word from the living God? Solomon has some wisdom on this in Ecclesiastes 5.1. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut paraphrase God might have something to say when you go to church so shutteth up (laughs) in fact God is more eager to speak than we are to listen that's why 15 times now let that sink in 15 times 8 in the gospel 7 in revelation Jesus says he who has ears let him hear It was God's choice to give you spiritual ears. It is your choice to decide to use them. It's the most important thing a disciple does. I didn't say that, Jesus did. You remember the story in Luke 10? The two sisters are preparing a party in the honor of Jesus, Martha's in the kitchen. Mary's in the den at the feet of Jesus because he's talking. Martha's preparing the food. Mary's still listening. Martha's cooking everything. Mary's still listening. Martha's setting the table. Mary's still listening. Martha gets upset and says, Jesus, tell her to come help me. And I think gently but firmly. Jesus said to Martha in verse 42, only one thing is important. Mary has chosen the better thing. Last week, when did God ever get your undivided attention? And so, we're on a journey to get better at hearing God. That means we're going to have to practice. That's why each week we're going to give you a sheet like this at the Welcome Center. It's also online so that Monday through Friday you can engage in an exercise to learn to hear better. Now they're not going to take a long time. But your willingness to do this will say something about whether or not you really do want to hear God. But God really wants you to. I'll tell you why. Because God wants you to know Him. He doesn't just want you to know about Him. God wants you to hear Him in order to know Him. Hearing is just the means. Intimacy with God. That's the goal. God wants to have a personal, dynamic relationship. With you. You can't have that through somebody else. Nobody else can have a personal relationship with God for you. People can hear God with you, but nobody can hear God for you. I want you to hear God, it won't make you weird. It'll make you happy. I read recently, some of you have heard this story, about a 29-year-old Texas mother. Her name was Sarah Sherman. And she was born with a severe hearing defect. The little hairs inside the ear that carry the vibrations to the brain were missing in her body. Since two, she's worn hearing aids, but she'll tell you all they created was white noise, vibrations. But the way she learned to survive was by becoming very good at reading lips. And then she and her husband Sloan learned about a new device. It wasn't a hearing aid on the outside of the ear. It was surgically implanted inside the head to do what her body could not do, transmit vibrations of sound to the brain it was thirty thousand dollars they didn't have it but they saved they scrimped and they borrowed and then she endured a nine hour operation go ahead and start that clip because after eight weeks it's time to find out if it worked So now technically your device is on. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great? What was the very first reaction to being able to hear? Just pure joy. For the first time, she's got two little girls, four and 20 months. She can hear her babies. This is why God wants you to hear. It's going to bring you joy. It's not going to make you weird. It's going to thrill you deep down in places you've never been thrilled. Because he is so desperate to tell you how much he loves you. In fact, the Bible says he's just passionate about his relationship with you. So pray with me. Father, increase our capacity to hear. And not just our capacity, increase our desire to want to hear. Forgive us, God, that we ever created theologies that would defend a life of not hearing you. And give us a hunger because, God, your your voice is sweet and it is pure and it, it gives us so much joy. And so, God, I pray over every heart and ear in this place that this week we will start the journey to hearing our God pray it in Jesus name amen see I think God's talking to some of you right now I think yeah thank you I think right now you know that God is saying to some of you it's been a long time hadn't it we need to do some business you've been away too long let's talk so we're going to have a prayer team come on down to the front this is your moment this is your day to start coming back to your God. Some of you, that means getting baptized. Some of you, that just means being honest and saying, I haven't been listening. Let's all stand up. Let's worship. You come.